Welcome to Bumping Uglies, the adult podcast where two lifelong friends talk about sex, love, and life. Listeners, be advised, strong language may be used and sensitive subjects may be discussed. Music by Ethan Hine. Hi, and welcome back to Bumping Uglies. My name's Rachel. And that's Ashley. Hi. And today, we have John and Amma with us. Greetings, all. Hello. (laughs) They're going to talk to us a little bit about their BDSM lifestyle. Is that the right thing to call it? Yeah, I I think that works as a a catch-all term, sure. Okay. We'll we'll get into the particulars as things go on, I'm sure. Yes, I hope so. (laughs) So I guess, just to start, do you just want to tell us a little bit about yourselves? Uh, sure, Amma, why don't you go ahead? All right, uh, um, my my name is Amma, um, and I'm legally changing it to that um, after we do the big deal in August. We'll be getting married. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you. I've uh, been together for a couple of years, um, been collared since uh, March of last year. Okay. Um, before that, um, I was uh, born in the Midwest in the the uh, fabulous uh, Springfield, Missouri. So I was growing up very kind of sheltered and small town, kind of didn't really find out about what the world was like until I joined the military um, right after high school. And then just kind of whatever interesting, cool new thing I could grab onto, I did. And I got into all kinds of different subcultures, like, you know, the goths and the ravers and stuff. Um, And then kind of found BDSM that way. And always been a geek and a gamer and kind of found ways to tie that together met this wonderful man in 2017 pretty much fell head over heels of love like immediately <laughs> um been pretty much inseparable since we we met and uh yeah i've i, I just i i incorporate this into pretty much every aspect of my life and it makes me incredibly happy oh wow we get the we get the small town thing we're we're both from west virginia so like Mm. There's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what about you, John? Let's see. Raised in the suburbs of a major Midwest city. Fairly boring upbringing, to be totally honest. Right. I dis- I discovered the alternate sex subculture the way many people do through porn. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> as soon as I was 21, I actually got up the guts to do anything about it it's kind of funny one of my favorite stories is the first time i ever went to a bdsm club in my town i double knotted my sneakers because i had no idea what to expect and i wanted to be prepared in case i had to bolt <laughs> <laughs> he really didn't want to be tripping over his shoe that's hilarious <laughs> so you I, I... oh go ahead no, just I, I'm the one who thinks of the odd contingencies. Right. I don't think he's, that would have ever crossed my mind. He's going to be the prepper that's going to have like 400 rolls of duct tape in the trunk of his car when the apocalypse <laughs> comes and not much else, but he's going to be able to build a shelter and survive entirely on that duct tape. That's... And some duct tape and Legos and some and some clean water, and I think you could survive anything. Give me a spool of copper wire and a car battery, I could power an entire house. There you go. That's all you need, right? 
So and, and the duct tape. You got to make sure you have the duct tape. Of course. I mean, it's really good for everything. It fixes anything. It really is. True story. <laughs> we. I used um, to make. I, I used uh, to make uh, like personal carry accessories out of duct tape, like notebook covers and things. I used. I used to refer to it as urban leather. We did that. Uh, <laughs> like when I was in high school, I did that. I made a wallet that I carried for a while. Yep. Yep. In, in in the uh, the Ozarks there where I grew up, you know, there was even a thing where like people would make their prom outfits yeah, entirely I see out of what? duct tape. We had one of those it, in my high school. I yeah. think it was a contest actually that duct tape branded for a while, where mm. you know you had to do your outfit out of duct tape and then like submit it, and then if you won, you and your date got like a scholarship or something. I don't That's know. cool. I don't That's remember, but crazy. Engineering scholarship. Yeah, the probably. jacket. Pants. She had a dress. I mean, I was just like, really? That that's that's time that I don't have in my life. That takes some real effort. Indeed. Yeah. Mm. You can I've seen, if you can if you can imagine an accessory, I've probably seen it made out of duct tape. <laughs> I think the farthest my school went was like duct tape on the shoe. Mm. <laughs> like the the Vans and the Converse. Yep. Yeah. For sure. I know a lot of people made roses. When I was in school, out of duct tape, like that was a huge thing. We have one that uh, was given to me as a gift uh, when I was moving away from where I was to move in with uh, with Master. Actually, wow. Mm-hmm. So I heard John say that like he was twenty one before he got up the nerve to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So like, Ama, how how old were you when you I guess like realized that you were into it and. How old were you before you decided to try anything? Um, I'd say, honestly, when it comes to the social aspect of this, I'm definitely the more ballsy of the two of us. Yeah. So, I can do it that. Yeah, so <laughs> I started diving in, like, as soon as I was able. I started uh, seeing the, the porn of it and, and seeing the pictures of when I was, you know, 17 and 18 and started exploring some of the masochism angles there because I've always been a masochist. Um, or as they colloquially say, a pain slut. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I knew this about myself about the time I became sexually active, which was 17, 18. So um, I started getting into, like, the public aspect of it when I discovered Club X when I was stationed in San Diego, California, when I was in the Navy, um, which was this huge... BDSM, kink, alt-sex culture in SoCal, um, and uh, just kind of dabbled a little bit here and there until um, my first uh, collared relationship, which started in 2010, and that was when I discovered the uh, where I lived at the time, their branch of uh, TNG, discovered, you know, munches, things like that, and I just dove in as deep as I possibly could. Wow. You just went for it. Absolutely. I'm I'm not really a person to do things in half measures at all, ever. Okay. Nope. And <laughs> I, I and I wanted I wanted that feeling that we have where we, we think that we're 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 messed up, we're depraved, we're sick, we're warped, we're unacceptable beings because we have these things that get us so hot. You know, I that, like that feeling personally. <laughs> that, that cartoon uh, uh, this, uh, the, the, we, we see online all the time of, you know, somebody looking at their laptop. Oh, yeah, the like, one that's titled How Every Fetish Begins. Yeah. Oh, God, who's into this? Next panel. Oh, shit, I'm into <laughs> that's, this. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> and we and realizing that, it, you know, I, I like things that I shouldn't and I'm seeing... Oh, God, there's the episodes of CSI. <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> in southwestern Oz- in southwestern Missouri, which is a very very densely populated Christian area, where anything deviant means you're getting con- you're, you're you're getting damned. That's it. Anything other than heterosexual missionary sex between a married man and woman is you're you're going to hell, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, um, we and- we get that for sure. Yeah. And we, so, I actually, we went to a church, um, that like, it's very conservative and I, I was like, um, I don't know, a preteen teenager when the Harry Potter books were coming out and oh my, boy, my church yeah. lost their mind when they found out that my mom let me read them and they were like, that's the devil. And she's like, it's just a book. Same thing as like Halloween. Like that's my favorite time and everybody is just like, that's the antichrist. Like... Oh, I'm I'm from the town that had the the um the, the the real haunted house where the church would set up this like like festival of horrors, but it was all like you know like people dead from drug overdoses. And, oh, you know, what what are those called? Um, judgment houses inside of the abortion clinic and stuff. And yeah, I was just like, oh god, you know, yeah, to try to convert people. Yes, yeah, I, I used to be the house drummer for. They called it a non-denominational church out in my area. And what was really funny was sometimes I would roll into services on Sunday wearing the same shirt they had worn to the club the night before. Really? Oh, yeah. You know, dress shirt and everything. Right. But because of being in the house band, we had to sit and listen to the sermon. Oh, no. Uh, Yeah. So (laughs) So one day, the I don't know the the term for it, the preacher, I guess, is going off on the evils of homosexuality and the sin of promiscuity and i'm going oh boy wow you're (laughs) like i need to leave well my best friends are a lesbian couple and they were the first people i called after i left i said my day went really sideways can i come decompress for a couple of minutes (laughs) so they well this is really funny because i came by and because this was a paying gig and i said look you know I don't think like this, but this is some pretty sweet money. Would you think less of me if I continued to work for them? And my friend takes me by the hand, looks in my eye, and says, I want you to bleed them for everything you can get <laughs> and spend it on the most depraved pornography you can find. Hey, like, that's the best, like, form of payback is doing something you know they wouldn't want you to do. Yep. Um, so, I know, so, you all mentioned that Amma's a masochist, so does that make you a sadist, and is that kind of what you mostly participate, like, is that the main type of play that you do? Yes. Um, No? That's definitely where we started, actually. Our first um, intimate interaction, if you you will, uh, was not directly sexual. It was actually a scene. Um, It was almost exactly 24 hours after we very first met uh, we were in a play space and um, we did an impact scene and so I have this I have this quirk where when a scene is going really well and everything like that and I just kind of give myself over to it when I have my euphoric moment when it happens uh, I throw back my head and I howl like a wolf oh I also happen sometimes to collapse. My knees just give, and I let them go. Now, if I can can interject here. Absolutely. She told me about the howling. 
she did not tell me about the collapse. <laughs> now, this is important because I had gone to the venue with, because I was in from out of town, so I had driven in with the fellow who was hosting me. My gear bag was in his truck, and we couldn't find him, so I didn't have my usual arsenal on me, so we used what Ama had, which unfortunately did not include a set of safety restraints. I was not aware that I was going to need them. This is probably bad procedure on my part, I will admit this, lesson learned. But, again, I didn't know about the collapsing thing. Now we know Now we know better, and we usually you know, let, uh, throw together something with rope so mm-hmm. that I can at least be kind of at least loosely right. attached to it. But, right, but back to, back to the so, narrative. Uh, so I have this intense <laughs> scene. It's beautiful. Everything is going great. Throw back my head. Howl. Drop to the floor. Just all of a sudden, I'm on my ass on the carpet, <laughs> and, I, I, and I'm coming out of this, you know, this fog, this beautiful haze. And I'm dropping back down out of the clouds, and he's got his arms around me because he had stopped me to make sure I hadn't fallen any further, so I didn't hit my head on the floor. And I just kind of, in this 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 fuck haze, you know, look back at him over my shoulder, and all I can mutter in my state of bliss is, "Keep me." Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. And and, and he did. That was <laughs> it. Had, Pretty much, and, and, and you know—that's crazy. That it just happened that fast. I mean, you know, it amazes us sometimes too. Um, we we call that the day that we met, the day that we got together, because honestly, we can't trace back to when we became us uh, from that moment. We can remember some of the landmarks, like when we decided that we were more than just DS or S and M, um, and we when I took my collar, when I moved in, things like that, but. The moment that we became attached to one another was right then. From my end, I, yeah, I yeah. say it was damn near instantaneous. Pretty wow. much, yeah. I mean, that first negotiation was three hours long, and, and we, we, were, we were discussing things we had no business discussing. Yep. Wow. So, I, so you did. I know you said like that was the moment you all, like, connected, um, and then you you did say you eventually took a collar. So so like a three hour discussion is. Like, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, it went from, so I like impact and my uh, my limits are XYZ to, so, like, uh, are you looking for multiple partners or, you know? Yeah, well, what's your stance on substance use? Uh, you know, protocol, like daily protocol, what would you like? You know, like, what are your favorites? So, like, you know? everything. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I, th- I think we did pretty much everything except blood type and astrological signs. <laughs> oh, no, we did astrological signs, too. I knew you were a Virgo, yep. and I was a Scorpio as yep. soon as we drove away. <laughs> Covered everything. <laughs> yep. Now, do you all still, um, like, you pretty much know what you like, or are you still finding, like, new things that you like? Are you oh, Do you still experiment time. with new people? Um, not, new, not new people, usually. Um... There are certain things that we like to do as a team together to with a third person that we've experimented with a little bit, like but, black stuff, because I can do some, um, and we I can do like really basic stuff. As can like, I, yeah. Yeah, but we can't do like the really intense, in-depth stuff. Okay. Um, so usually like, uh, we, you know, I've, I've interacted with another person who's a boot black and she's interacted with both of us a couple of times. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think what it is is 
under a very, you know, when the moon is right and the stars align and all that, maybe we would consider it, but we are, what, like 98% monogamous. We're not, we're not looking to add that level of complexity to our lives. It's just not something, it's just not something that we're prepared to, to deal with. And, and when it comes to like new things though, I mean, this aspect of the world is so massive and varied and there's so much to explore in terms of different sensations right. and different things. I mean, I'm always, I'm frequently finding new things to try or different facets of it. Like with latex, there's a big difference between just like wearing a pair of gloves and interacting with someone who is fully encased from head to toe. Right. Oh, well, so, yeah. <laughs> and we're both, and, and we're both twisted enough that basically it's a matter of, Hey, this looks interesting. Yeah, it does. Want to try? How's next Thursday? Sounds cool. Or, you know, we were at just at um, the the, uh, the the rubber event locally, and they, they were selling rubber items, and I just kind of looked at a hood and went, uh, yeah, sure, I'll try one on, tried it on. Yeah, this is cool. I'll buy one. And, <laughs> and you know, just, you know, just kind of, it, some of it's really off the cuff. Uh, my favorite negotiation tactic we use is lie down. I want to try something. I was just about to mention that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> is that, so, like, I mean, that sounds like a great thing to just be able to go, okay, we'll try it, and if we don't like it, like, we won't do it again. Yeah. Or find out what you didn't, we didn't like, and uh, alter it so that mm. it works better next time. Like, okay. I couldn't breathe quite as well as I'd like, so try this so that I can breathe better or something. One of the things that we always do after a scene, good or bad, is I call it debriefing. It just, I like that particular term, and we, we discuss what went well, what didn't, and what we want to do next time. Just three really easy questions. Oh, I, I've, I mean, I guess I haven't talked to a lot of people that do what you do, but I've never heard any or, or read anything where people like sit down and like discuss like, we didn't like this for this time, so let's do it this way next time. I like really, that a lot. That's interesting to me. Uh, we, it's important to us because we need to get that feedback from each other. This isn't all about just what I want. This isn't all about just what he wants. Uh, we both ha get the most out of this if the other person is having as much fun or more fun than we are. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to come out of a scene going, "Well, I had a blast," and, and then, he, but I can tell, tell that there's something wrong with him. Mm. You know, I, I I look forward to that moment. Actually, it's usually on the car ride home. Yep. We don't have any music going or anything like that. We just talk to each other, you know, and get and, and we're. The, the term we use is radical honesty. Mm. You know, if, if I honestly don't like something, I'm not going to lie and tell him that I did because I think it'll make him happy mm -hmm. because right. then I suffer for that and he doesn't want that. Like, long run, if you're going to lie about something, it's still going to come back and be a problem. Exactly. Always. Got yeah. it. And, and one lie can cause ten times as much trouble as five rough truths. It's not... They, they always say that it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. Exactly. You know? Okay. Right. right. And he may be upset with me for a little bit about something I say when I'm being honest, but he'd be a thousand times more upset and longer if I if, if he finds that I wasn't honest. Precisely. I mean, you, you can't fix a problem that you're not aware of. Yep. See, that's what I tell every guy I've ever been with. Just be honest. Like, it's not that hard. I may be mad about it, but... I'm not going to be as mad as if you lie. <laughs> well, I, I think, and if this is getting off top, 
Eric, then feel free to rein me in. But I think the problem is that when people say be honest, they always go with the idea of brutal honesty. That's the term that a lot of people use, right. which is why we specify it as being radical honesty. And we temper that with compassion. That's one of our seven cardinal values. That, okay, I'm not saying this to dig at you, and I'm not saying this because I want to hurt you. I'm saying this because X didn't work or because I want to see Y happen. And as part of that compassion is here's what I would like to do about it or here's what I think we could do about it. Otherwise, you're just complaining. Right. You're not you're, – you're, you're talking about a problem, but you're also presenting a possible solution. Exactly. And a big part of it also is with um, being honest with, with him is also being honest with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of nasty shit happen to me in my past, as most people have. <laughs> so if I, I can prevent it from becoming a wound that becomes a scar, if I come out and just say, you know, what, I, I didn't like it when you pulled my hair this way. Or when you said this, it really hurt my feelings, or I took it the wrong way, or it, it made me feel nauseous, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I don't, I don't carry that with me and make it, make, turn it into a cancer that rots our relationship from the inside out. And honestly, that goes both ways. I, I can think of at least one or two occasions, not specifically, but I know they've happened. <clears throat> excuse me, where I've said to her, "This isn't something that I'm prepared to do." If you if it's something that you really really need, we can talk about it. But honestly, it doesn't do anything for me, and this part of it really squicks me out. I don't know why this part squicks me out, but it does. You know, you hear people say it's becoming more common nowadays, but there's a lot more discussion being around the limits of tops as well, which I think is vital and vastly yeah. underserved. You can call red just as uh, just as quickly as I can. Right. I think I have at least once. You have. You've, you've even called black, which is the term that we use for, you know, red means stop now. Black means not I, not just do I need you to stop, but I need you to debrief with me now. Something is seriously wrong. I feel like I'm going to have a meltdown. Something like that. Like, I've been. I hate using the word triggered, but it's apt in this yeah. case. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's reminding me of something bad that happened before, or I think it's going to make me shake. I think I might pass out, mm. something like that. Well, and I would so. imagine, like, when you're dealing with, with them, where, where one person is, like, potentially, you know, causing pain to the other, that, like, that's important to, like, have that option. Yeah. Indeed. Um, I know you all mentioned, like, um, that you sort of educate about this so are these things like radical honesty and debriefing are those things that you try to it like instill in other people absolutely one of the things that we stress everywhere is i'm going to start by the common and go down to what we do you hear a lot of people talk about communication communication and people say it over and over again and i agree with that but what I think gets left out of that discussion is what and how do you communicate? Ooh. So one of the things that we stress is procedures, systems, and rehearsals. So practice what you want to be good at in low-pressure situations before it becomes a high-pressure situation. Wow. Okay. I really like pra- that. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. Ooh, like a, it makes it a habit. 
Exactly. Good, and, good. That's, and I'm glad you said that word because habits is one of the things that we want to instill. We want to see people exhibiting natural behaviors, not stiff, rote recitations. Right. Okay. Like you want them to be comfortable. Exactly. And do you teach like seminars, online classes, or demonstrations, anything like that anywhere? Um, we've never done online classes, but I would be very interested to learn how that would work because I would be very interested in pursuing more of that. Most of what we do is in-person lectures, some demonstration stuff, but uh, generally speaking, what we tend to do is more of conveyance of information. Okay. Okay. And you all had, you sort of mentioned, I, I know, um, like, masochism and sadism, um, I think you mentioned to us that you talk about pet play as well. Yes. So, like, <laughs> I guess for everybody, what is that, and, like, to what extent do you all do that? Okay, so pet play has a really broad definition, I would say, is it's where one or both of the participants in the scene has adopted the role of some kind of non- human animal or creature and will engage with the other people or person in the scene as that particular creature okay For, you know, what i mean by that is you know the person is pretending to be a dog so will interact with the other person or people in the scene by expressing themselves as a dog would or as a cat would or whatever particular animal it is that they are um engaging in. I, I use the term animal roleplay a lot, um, but animal roleplay, you know, kind of has more of like a, it can kind of blend into some of the other realms like furries and things like that. So pet play specifically in this case, uh, and I used the term scene earlier, is its connection to the leather, kink, alt sex, etc. Okay. Um, world. Um, though it doesn't necessarily have to have a sexual aspect to it. And, and I know in a lot of cases it, well, it depends on the person, but in some cases, I'd say some cases, I guess it does. Yeah, I've seen people who use pet play as a very heavily sexualized way to engage. I've seen people who do not. Uh, we, we, we personally span the gamut on that depending on what kind of pet play we're doing and we do engage in several different varieties okay so you you don't just you don't have one thing that you do uh, nice I would say predominantly the main one that i do is puppy play um which for us does not have any sexual aspect at all but i've also done pony kitten wolf and i've been lately experimenting with other kinds just to kind of find out more about exactly what all this can do for me and what all else there is to explore in it, like birds and um, reptiles. And so the, the, the non-sexual side of that is it's just like to get into like a different headspace or like a different type of role play? Um, being in pet in puppy heads for me is a lot like people who engage in the um like the littles community okay um and going into like a, a younger headspace for me it's the catharsis of all of my adult human problems 
going away. I'm not thinking about bills or upkeep on the house or my job or any of that. I'm thinking I'm hungry, I want some water, and I want scratches, and a toy would be cool. <laughs> That's it. That's all of my concerns in the whole wide world. And as long as I've got Master, my bowl, and my chew rope, the rest of the world can cease to exist for an hour, two hours, a whole night. It depends on how long we're going to play or how long we can play. And it's this happy place where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a corgi. That's my breed when I'm, as a puppy where I get, I'm bouncy and I get to be very, um, outgoing and social and you know it it's it's a it's the innocence and the unconditional love that, that a dog only an animal can experience that I have and that I give okay and it means it means the world to me and you and just I think him oh go ahead and I said and I think him too oh absolutely looking at master here I'm grinning like a fiend right now. I know you can't see it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so and you just get to like shrug off the world for a while. Like I guess both of you, because obviously it goes both ways. Like he's you know loving you and caring for you in that time. I'm I'm always his wife. I'm always his slave. But in, when I'm in that mode, he's not thinking of me as the person he has sex with or the person that he works with in a team and you know when educating and things like that i'm his dog right and we inter- and we interact accordingly in that way mm-hmm. so you over since we've been talking you keep saying master and then you yes. just said like i'm always his wife i'm always his slave so like are there yes. sort of different levels of um like being masters and slaves where where she always like she clearly always calls you that but like there's maybe sometimes like relationships where that isn't the case let me start by saying this a lot of people well let me me that even back that up we know that we're weird so how (laughs) we operate isn't how we've seen many others operate many people will have a point where they are out of role so they address each other as equals some people only do power dynamics on very specific occasions, like at the clubs or on a weekend, etc. We are always on. She is always my slave, regardless of if we are in public or in private, and I am always her master. That is not the way everybody operates, but for us, it is easier, more comfortable, and more effective to be always on and have an overdrive rather than have a low, medium, high off setting. Okay. And has it, has it always been like that in your relationship? Like you started that way? Yes. Nice. Well, and I feel like it's just like anything, you know, you have to find what works for you and it doesn't matter if it works for somebody else. And kind of like what exactly our relationship was and because like I said we started in a dominant submissive type thing when originally it was just going to be or our goal was to be just trainer and puppy and then it evolved from there but it, I oh we came into this with me and it's like you know, that first, that three hour long conversation we had I just you know I need that structure want that structure I am only happy and truly able 
able to thrive in that structure, at least, at least me personally. And I'm the same way from the other side. Is I like, I like knowing what the rules are, and I like being able to set them. And I know that sounds incredibly, <laughs> I know that sounds incredibly, you know, polish my fingers on the front of my shirt, but. <laughs> And I'm not saying that I have all of the right answers or that somebody doesn't have better ideas than me. I consult Ama frequently for her opinion and her advice. Even on things that have nothing to do with me at all. But just like, but it's just that communication to, to know that like you're both happy and like he, he wants to know that you're it, like in agreement with what he wants to do. Yes. I'm the other half of his brain. And so he wants to make sure that both halves agree before he takes a forward step on pretty much anything. Which is, and, and that's kind of a, one of the other things that we talk about when we're talking about MS theory and protocol and things like that. Let's take it away from us for an example, or as a, for a moment, just to say in general, I would suggest that it's a good thing for a DOM sub-pair to be aligned in their goals and their aims and their procedures, if for nothing else, just the sake of efficiency. Because the less time you have to spend talking about how to do something, the more time you can spend simply doing it. The catchphrase, if we can call it that, that we use, and this isn't our original thought, is to understand the why. Oh, okay. That makes it okay. And first and foremost, we are a team. With a capital T. That, see, and I, I feel like it's it's good to hear that because I, I feel like you don't hear, like, that teamwork sort of mentality I agree. mentioned. Maybe people do it, but, like, you don't hear people talk about it. Well, and while we're still individuals and we have our individual tastes and things like that, it helps to temper a lot of major or even you know just kind of medium-sized decisions with you know not what just what am I going to get out of this what is the team going to get out of this or is this decision going to hurt the team right right so and I think that's good advice for just like any any relationship exactly it's not like specific to to what you're doing um exactly I'm sorry go on no no you're you're fine well, the, what I was going to say was that's one of the things that – another one of the things that we like to talk about when we're teaching is that the theories and ideas that we find most useful for us aren't based in the BDSM culture. Nope. They're based in business psychology, negotiation, personal finance. Leadership. Like, what was that? Leadership. Yes, exactly. Okay. In Military when, leadership. Either. Yeah. When – Whenever I'm recommending books to people, I don't recommend BDSM books unless they're talking about technique. But in terms of how to relate to people, you can't be a better player or a better pervert if you're not a better person. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense, though. It, it absolutely makes sense that, like, you would go, you know, to proven method methods for other other things, you know, in, in everyday life to, for learning how to you know, correctly construct a relationship and then you would go to, like, a BDSM book to learn how to, like, correctly tie someone up, you know? Exactly. The One of, one of the first books that I recommend to people was written by a former FBI hostage negotiator. Really? Wow. Yep. Or when talking about 
you know, how to, you know, present your public face, Emily Post. Yep. And when you say public face, you just mean like... Etiquette <laughs> and social decorum, things like that. When when being, when you're in full-time MS, you know, I've always got my collar locked around my neck and I will always, you know, defer to him, etc. But I'm not going to scream, yes, master, in the middle of the IHOP. Or, you know, or or anything like that. You know, there's there's certain places where certain things don't, don't, won't fly. And, you know, we need to be courteous, one of our other major uh, values, Mm -hmm. uh, to the, 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 non-BDSM folks. Or the civilians. The civilians, yeah, the civilians. <laughs> and act in a way that will not grossly make everyone uncomfortable. But that doesn't mean that you have to... There are certain times where you have to suspend your the way you do things for the sake of others. But by and large, being out in public doesn't mean that you have to turn it off if you don't want to. There's, there's, there's workarounds. Exactly. There's absolutely way to absolutely ways to still have protocol and a hierarchy in place but have it be subtle and do you all have um these kinds of things is it just something you've discussed is it something that you've written down and like there are specific you know this is this is how you do this when you know we're we're in public yes we have what we call a charter it this is different from what a lot of people talk about when they talk about contracts The difference is that our charter is a values document. It shows what we believe and not only how we interact with each other, but with the world. Because that is, like like we've been talking about, this is us. This isn't simply a role or characters that we play. This is really and truly... It's your whole life. Exactly. And a lot of the charter is based around how we interact with each other how to understand the why if it is unclear and there's a few things about rules and procedures but by and large the biggest sections in our charter is about values and a lot of people don't talk about values which I think is interesting because if you go long enough and far enough you can always find an exception to a rule but a value is always in place and always active like that's something you believe at your core yes and you can end more, moreover, you can measure what you value, and therefore you can see if it still works. Right, okay. You're, the thing with the charter is, like, you're saying, we've both agreed that, like, this is how we feel about these things in life. Yes. And it's not just about, you know, when I will call him master, and when I can call him by his first name, i.e. around his... But even, even still, uh, you've called me master around my mother. I have. Um, but that was, I think, after she asked to be at my collaring ceremony. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I uh, figured she just kind of knew at that yeah. point. Um, but, uh, and the first time it was an accident. Right. Um, but uh, it's about, you know, hey, let, instead of having that, where do you want to eat tonight? I don't know. What are you feeling tonight? Conversation. We have a schedule that we set out at the beginning of every week so that we know ahead of time what we're going to have to eat or where we're going to go so we don't have to have that conversation and if something goes sideways now we have a baseline from which we can adapt so it's not so it's it's not because we don't you know because we we don't like having variety in our food but it takes out the decision fatigue and, and having to spend the time to have that conversation instead we go into it knowing so we can spend that energy 
playing video games together or doing something that's probably illegal in the United States. <laughs> I was going to say 12. Yeah, yeah, 12 states together. Um, you know, it's, it's consensual. You know? <laughs> um, uh, but there's always opportunity like for variation, like, next week. Sure. And, you know, and, and some, there's been times where, you know, we say, hey, we're going to have baked chicken tonight, and then we're on the, our way home from work together, and I just kind of look at him and say, you know, like, you know, please, can we have steak? I, I need some red meat in my face. <laughs> and, I'm and, and I'd say eight or nine times out of ten. Okay. Yeah, like, that's got fine. It, the, the, you know, if we've got the money in the budget and all that other stuff, yeah, you know, then we'll go have steak instead. So, talking about the, so your charter um, so obviously if, if one half of your couple does something that's in it, like, you know, that isn't something you agreed on or, you know, something that you felt was okay, like, obviously that's a way bigger deal than just, like, breaking a rule that he, you know, he set forth in your life. Here's the thing. We both have, we're both going to have you know, difficulty sometimes. We agree that we come to the table to speak as soon as it's feasible. And we always talk as calmly as we can. We have agreed that yelling at each other does not do anything but make us more upset. So if it means that we have to take a little bit to cool off, cool down, gather our thoughts, etc., have a cup of tea, then we do. But we, the biggest thing is we always respect each other and we both want this to work. So we will have that discussion. And just to tack onto that, I know that there's a lot of discourse around couples discussing issues out of role, taking timeouts and things. Uh, that's not something that we believe in particularly because for us it's an idea of physics if you stop something then it takes more energy to reactivate it yeah. than to simply keep it rolling and just deal and with so, it as it cut like deal with problems as they come exactly so even even within the charter we have procedures for how to discuss conflicts and how to issue apologies wow and that's what, a... <laughs> That's and very specific. Word, yeah, and, and what words to use to express, you know, let's stop what we're doing right now and talk about something. Mm -hmm. And and just to just to peel back the curtain a little bit, I don't want to give the impression that we're Terminator robots without feeling <laughs> or humor because one of our <laughs> one of our phrases that we use if something is really nagging at us is brain weasels. Brain weasels. Brain weasels. I again. This I hate is, brain weasels. I know slippery little jerks. Now, I again, this is not my original thought. I got that from someone else. But brain weasels are these nasty, slippery little creatures who live in the library of your brains and start gnawing away at all your favorite books. And so, so sometimes they can be little ones, and you just give them a boot, and they scurry out of the vents. And sometimes you have to nuke them from orbit with a laser platform. <laughs> sure exactly but that is one of the things that we say to each other 
if something is really bothering us and it just won't go away. Even if it's not really bothering, it's if it's that just that 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 nagging doubt mm-hmm. or that niggling feeling that something's not right, that kind of itchy under the skin feeling, and just like okay, look, I gotta say something about this. I, you know, master or the Japanese term that I use is shisho. Shisho. I'm having brain weasels. When you said X Y Z, it made me feel like you don't value the service I rent. Just as an example, right, right. This about this service that I do for you, or I feel like you're, you know, possibly looking to replace me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he, you know, stomps down the the uh, irrational brain brain weasel, um, kills it, and you know. And I'm better. Mm-hmm. And same same thing from my side. I said, I'm having some brain weasels. When you were speaking to this person, I thought you were being inconsiderate of our time. Or I told you that this topic bothered me, but you keep hammering on it. And I'd like to know what is still bothering you. And and we will detach and we will say, okay, what is it that keeps going on here? Stop, stop, stop. Grind, grind, grind. And we move on with our day. And I feel like that that must be hard sometimes, but I, it seems like in the long run, it's so much better to just say it out loud and, and then be able to move on from it. That You're right, it is, but you invest the time and the energy now to get the return of the freedom later. One of our favorite phrases. Uh, which one? Fair enough. We have a lot of them. <laughs> One of our favorite phrases uh, is discipline equals freedom. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, now I do again, like that. Not, not our original idea. That was uh, coined by a retired Navy SEAL commander named Jocko Willink. Wow. Who has, been, who has been very instrumental in shaping a lot of our ideas about how we interact with each other and how we take responsibility for our own actions and make our team better. He writes up books on business leadership now using things that he learned being a, a commander of a SEAL team. Oh, wow. That's, and it's just, it's so interesting how you've taken all these things like, like military leadership and put it into your relationship. <laughs> like well, it's very it, it's, interesting. It, it, comes, it comes very naturally for me because I actually did serve in the United States military in the Navy, same branch as, as this, this individual did. So um, a lot of the, the basic um, training for responding to leadership, responding to commands, obedience, things like that, how, how to bring up issues with your superiors, uh, you know, how to be respectful even when you're so upset you could chew glass, <laughs> you know, all of that, all of that really helps you know me me to i was able to take all of that almost all of it and turn it only about 15 degrees and from this is how to talk to my superior officer to this is how to talk to my own owner Mm -hmm. okay Uh, and and from my end i've had a long-standing interest in the samurai culture and the history of that region and era and there's a lot to be learned from history and you can learn a lot from other people's mistakes, quite frankly. So <laughs> I spend a lot of time studying history so I can learn what happens when leaders don't know how to use their power responsibly. Wow. Doomed to, doomed to repeat it, etc. Et right. Those who, do, right. those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it in summer school. <laughs> That's funny. 
We hope you enjoyed John and Amma as much as we did. If you have questions for them or would like to contact them, you can do so at houseoftheendless at gmail.com. And part two will be coming next week. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your stories, comments, questions, or subjects you'd like to hear us talk about to bumpingucast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. Please spread the word. Subscribe, rate, and review to help us grow our podcast. Thanks for listening!